Sports and politics can make for strange bedfellows. With less than a year before the 2022 Beijing Olympics, there's a growing chorus of voices calling for a boycott of the next Winter Games. Will it happen? Hello and welcome to the Unpublished Cafe. I'm Ed Hand. We're coming to you from a remote location and practicing physical distancing to enhance safety. Friendship, excellence, respect, courage, determination, inspiration, equality. They are the seven Olympic values, but it appears host China didn't get the memo. Australia has been on the receiving end of sanctions from China with no end in sight. Canada currently has two citizens in Chinese custody on trumped up charges. They've been in custody for over two years. Many raised eyes have been looking at China over its human rights abuses, in particular with the Uyghur Muslims, the Tibetans, and the recent actions in Hong Kong. Maybe Jinping is feeling the heat about some countries possibly boycotting because he's promising sanctions for any country that does boycott. And to me, that sounds like extortion. It's the focus of our unpublished.vote question. Considering China's treatment of Canada, do you support a boycott of the 2022 Beijing Olympics? Yes, no, or unsure. You can log on and vote right now at unpublished.vote and have your voice heard. Boycotts aren't new when it comes to the Olympiad. Western nations boycotted the 1980 Moscow Games due to the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan. The 76 Games in Montreal, they were also boycotted primarily by African nations because New Zealand was allowed to compete despite its rugby team touring South Africa before apartheid. Now, the collateral damage in a boycott are the athletes who have spent the last four years training for the Games. Coming up on the Unpublished Cafe, we'll chat with Marcus Kolga. He's a senior fellow at the McDonald Laurier Institute and founder of DisinfoWatch. You know, when it comes to a potential boycott, it all starts with the federal government, but it appears to be balking at even coming up with an answer. David Mulroney is a former Canadian ambassador to China, and he joins us now. And David, the Canadian Olympic C Committee says athletes are going. Doesn't the federal government have the last call on this? They should have the last call on it, Ed. And, you know, you've outlined the problem. I believe that what's happening in the West of China to the Uyghur Muslims constitutes genocide. If you look at the Genocide Convention, it's very clear. And some of the things that China is doing in dismantling this culture, imprisoning uh, you know, a million people, uh, stories of forced rape and abortion clearly involve genocide. We tend to look at genocide through the rearview mirror and we shed a tear at things that happened in the past. This would be a genocide that's ongoing, and I just don't see how we can participate in the joyful Olympic opening ceremony when so many people are being mistreated in the far west. And as you say, when our own two Canadians are languishing in prison, what does that, what message does that send to the Chinese about Canadian resolve? It, it, it seems Canada and China obviously are, are not on the same page on, on a number of issues. That's right. And, you know, if you look at uh, what Xi Jinping is up to, whether it's in the South China Sea, where he's militarized islands and is threatening the free transit through that area, his um, aggression towards India, interference in a whole range of countries, including Canada, dismantling democracy in Hong Kong. And as you say, his, you know, what, what's happened in Tibet, which is ongoing and against religious believers and Falun Gong practitioners on the mainland, it's a dismal record. Uh, but the main focus, I think, still has to be in Xinjiang, where something unprecedented is, is happening. And it's not like even the, the atrocities of the past. This is bringing the full power of a very sophisticated technological state 
against a particular group of people. This is the repression of the future. And unless we speak about it right now, we're going to see a lot more of it. You know, the U.S. says it's not going to stop its athletes from going. Australia, Australia, you know, is in the middle of a, a, a trade war and a war of words with, with China. Is there enough out there, Western nation-wise, to build a coalition for a boycott? Well, the unfortunate thing is we should have been building this boycott a couple of years ago. But I think the uh, you know, the agenda and, and the strategy for government is to say, oh, you know, it's too late. There's nothing we could do. Uh, but I, if I was an athlete, I'd be very concerned about going to China. You can imagine the kind of briefings that Canadian athletes and Canadian journalists and visiting Canadians will get about not saying anything, not doing anything, not wearing a T-shirt that might offend the Chinese. It'll be a horrible management exercise. But more than that, it implicates us in what's happening. It involves us in what's happening. What Xi Jinping wants the Olympics to be is an opportunity to launder his bad, you know, bad behavior. The Chinese people and the, you know, the senior leaders around Xi are very worried about how much unrest, how much anti-China sentiment he has ignited. The best way to respond to this is not to come. Attending shows the Chinese people that Xi's on the right track and he can get away with just about anything. I thought actually that they, you know, that the Chinese people wouldn't know uh, about such such things because you know, obviously the media is controlled by the by the government. They, they are uh, controlled by the government, and, but the government is very selective in how it shapes things. They would know if Canada didn't attend, and okay. for that reason, the government would, um, you know, uh, unleash an, you know, uh, you know, an onslaught on us um, if we were to do that. It, it, it's, I wouldn't, you know, I'm not going to hide the fact that we would pay a price for this, mm. but we pay a price for attending to. We really do. And the reason, you know, in 1980, the big concern was the damage a boycott would do to the games. In 2022, it'll be the damage that China will be it will do to those who don't attend. What the heck are we getting into? Why are we getting ourselves into this? We don't need this. I think it, it threatens to you know undermine and destroy the Olympic movement itself. The IOC should be more concerned about that, but the IOC mm -hmm. being the IOC, they're not. Uh, but we all hear boycotts don't work. How will this one work, or is this just about uh, saving face and and uh basically integrity and, and standing by your word. Well, that's a, a very important reason and, and a sufficient reason uh, mm -hmm. to to do this. If we were able to, uh, to bring a number of countries together, it would put pressure on China. Not enough pressure for China to stop what it's doing, but it might save some lives and it might help some people. And it's better than the alternative, which is just to look the other way. Think back to 2008 and the Beijing games. They followed severe Chinese repression and everybody said, oh, this is an opportunity for goodwill and for China to change its ways. China only doubled down after 2008. It felt endorsed by the Beijing Olympics. And it's, it's going to get a similar uh, vote of confidence. As we talk about a potential boycott of the 2022 Olympics, Winter Olympics in Beijing. And, you know, China threatens sanctions against any country that decides it's going to boycott. Uh, to me, I call that extortion. Uh, what do you call it? It is extortion. But here's the thing for both Canada and Australia. We are uniquely positioned in having what China needs for the future. China is uh, losing agricultural land at a great rate. Uh, a lot of it is built over. A lot of it is polluted and poisoned. China's air and water is severely compromised and they will not be able to feed themselves and they won't be able to provide the raw materials that they need to power their economy. So 
the long run favors Canada and Australia. And I'm not suggesting we hold it over the Chinese people, but we should be confident that in, in the end, China is pragmatic and it will come back to us. But it's also a reason why we should diversify our economic partnerships and not be so um, significantly focused on China as we have been. You know, there has been a, a call to relocate the Games, the 2022 Winter Olympic Games, uh, possibly to North America. Uh, both uh, Canada and the U.S. have experience in doing it. Uh, what do you think about an idea like that, or is that something the IOC and the COC would probably just reject outright? From what I know of the IOC, uh, I, I think they pretty much jumped to China's uh, tune. So uh, I think that is unlikely. Um, and I think what might happen, and it's not too late, but it's getting late, is that some important countries, uh, including Canada, don't attend. But that would take, the, the real question is, where is the Biden administration on this? Are they going to duck this? Uh, and, and they seem to be ducking it now. But uh, we still have some reason to hope that the Americans um, might, might trigger a broader international response, because what's happening in Xinjiang is unconscionable. The reason people don't want to use the term genocide is precisely because it forces us to think and act in new ways. And a lot of governments are so invested in the old ways that they just don't want to do that. Hasn't the U.S. already said it was genocide? Um, Secretary Blinken has said he thinks it constitutes a, a genocide but they haven't really articulated what that's going to mean just yet. Uh, and, you know, his saying it is that the same as the U.S. government committing to that. So we, we're still waiting. Uh, Mr. Biden spoke to Xi Jinping yesterday for an unbelievable two hours. I kind of, that worries me more than it encourages me. But um, there's still time to, to set a, a course for in the United States that is um, perhaps not the same course that President Trump set, but one that is much more aligned to U.S. interests than, for example, the Obama administration was. What do these games mean to China? These games are an opportunity for China to summon the world and for the world to come and pay tribute to China in the ways that uh, Chinese emperors had, you know, foreign leaders come and perform the kowtow. There's a little bit of that, but it's also about bread and circuses. It's about um, investing in, in crazy projects all through China that have nothing to do with sports, but have everything to do with elevating the um, prestige of the party. So it's a great chance for the Chinese Communist Party to advertise, to bask in the glory of all of those who attend, all those foreigners who attend. It's a great public relations opportunity. David, I want to thank you for joining us. Thank you very much. It's an important topic. David Mulroney is a former Canadian ambassador to China. To get some more perspective on whether a boycott could work, I'm pleased to be joined by Kevin Kai, Associate Professor of East, Indi East Asian Studies at Renison College of the University of Waterloo. And, and Kevin, the Canadian Olympic Committee says boycotts don't work if you look at 1980 and 1984. Do you feel the same way? Uh, I think the same way. You know, uh, this is... A Actually, a quite complicated question. It's a, it's not a simple question to to answer yes or no, and uh, it involves a lot of parties and a lot of peoples. Some important things need to be taken into consideration. Now, for the current uh, call for boycott of Beijing uh, Winter Olympics 2000, uh, 2022, and the background for these calls are the calls currently are mostly from human rights, international human rights groups, 
and some very few individual politicians from a few Western countries. And particularly, the Trump administration accused China of ethnic genocide in Xinjiang. Mm -hmm. But this is a very serious accusation. But strictly speaking, an accusation like this, genocide, should be a legal issue to determine whether this genocide happens or not, rather than a political issue. So currently, there is no consensus in the world in the West, I mean the Western countries, on whether there is, you know, such a genocide, you know, is happening in Xinjiang or not, let alone in the international community. Now, as you said earlier, and the early calls for boycott in the past never have, uh, I mean, succeeded. And a similar cause actually happened before the Beijing 2008 Olympic Games, but eventually nothing happened either. So, so far, and uh, I don't think it is likely a global boycott of the Beijing 2022 Winter Olympic Games will happen because this is not popular among, particularly among athletes, broadcasting companies, sponsors, and uh, sports fans. And particularly for athletes, it is very costly for them. They have worked hard for four years just for these games, right? And if they cannot make it because of the boycott, that it is indeed disastrous for their career, right? So the alternative to the full boycott might be something like that. Like the governments, if we do not really happy about China and the Chinese policies of uh, human rights, then you can you know, not send senior government officials to the Beijing Olympic Games. Well, what message and, does that send? Yeah, another point, which I feel very important point, is uh, China's um, poor human rights records uh, is an issue which has existed for a long time. So, if China's human rights records an issue in hosting such international games, a more logical and a reasonable way to deal with this issue is not to grant Beijing in the first place to host these games. This is because this is a one-party system which has been there for all the time, for over seven decades. And the human rights records have being unchanged all these decades. So why do you, in the first place, grant Beijing to host the games, and then at a later time when these games actually ha are happening, then you boycott it? For me, it makes no sense, is that right? So the human rights records, poor human rights records of Beijing are always there. So it makes more sense to not to let it, let Beijing host it in the first place, rather than boycott later when these games are going to be held. I, How do I you would, think? I, I would agree. Now, do you think perhaps this is this is basically based on money? You know, obviously we hear, always hear about the Chinese market. You know, every sports league is trying to get into the Chinese market. Is this all about money? Uh, yes or no? For some 
for some people, for some parties, it's about money, like International Olympic Committee. It's an mm. issue of money, right? And for broadcasting companies, it's an issue of money. But for athletes, it's, a, it's for money as well as for their career. Their, their career, their future career, their, their money, all count on these games. Right? If they miss this opportunity to show in the games, their career is gone. Mm-hmm. And their money is gone as well, right? So right. for m- most, you know, I mean, parties, it has something to do with money, but not all. For sports fans, for example, it's not for money. They actually spend money. They contribute to the money that earned, that is earned by other parties, right? You know, you know, China has threatened sanctions against any country that decides that it's going to boycott uh, the 2022 games. Um, can they even do that? Is that not just extortion? No, you know, uh, yeah, from from Canadian side, from from perspective of the West, it does not make sense. But for the Chinese side, it makes sense, right? And because you know, I mean, they hold these games, Olympic Games, uh, this is arranged by international committee. So if this happens, I mean, the boycott happens, then for, for China, it, you know, it, it's, it's, it makes sense for it that you are not so nice, you are not so friendly. So it makes sense for China to make sanctions, I mean, have sanctions against those who boycott it. But surely it makes no sense for for the West, particularly for those who bought it. No, exactly, exactly. You know, uh, there's been suggestions about moving the, the location from uh, Beijing to possibly North America. Uh, do you think that's a possibility or is the IOC locked into Beijing? Uh, do, you, do you think technically is it possible in such a short period that the games could be moved from, you know, a decided location to another location if Canada, for example, is going to take over the games. Do you think Canada can get everything ready in a matter of one year? Oh, so technically, it, uh, makes, uh, you know, it's not likely, you know, it's possible, uh, likely possible. But again, the very first the point, as I, met, um, I mean, mentioned earlier, is that if you do not like Beijing to do that, you should in the first place, not granted because its record of of human rights has always been there. This is not something new. Yeah, yeah you know what? I, I think perhaps the Western nations are, you know, might be show, showing a little faux outrage that that this is happening when you know nothing's really changed in China. You look at Canada; we got the two Michaels have been in custody there for over two years now. Yeah, this is again a story which told in different ways by different parties, as I recently have an um, article published in um, Policy Options. And uh, yeah, from Canadian side, it, you know, yeah, it, it's, it's really a bad thing for China to do that. But from the Chinese side, from Chinese perspective, it was Canada that made this as an issue in the first place, Mwanzhou, right? For China, Mwanzhou was purely a political issue rather than a legal issue. So this shall still, again, the same issue which shall be 
seeing from, I mean, you should understand the issue from different perspectives from just, you know, both, yeah. both sides. Exactly. Uh, Kevin, I want to thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Have a good day. Kevin Kai is Associate Professor of East Asian Studies at Renison College at the University of Waterloo. China is pushing hard to make these games a reality to give its profile a boost in the eyes of the world. Marcus Kolga is a senior fellow with the McDonald Laurier Institute and the founder of disinfowatch.org. And he joins us now. And Marcus, what message does China want to send to the world when it comes to the 2022 Beijing Games? Well, I think the, the games are intended to you know, largely legitimize uh, China, its, uh, its behavior, and to sort of erase uh, much of the negativity that has surrounded this regime and the behavior it's engaged in uh, over the, the past uh, you know, decade or so. Um, and so, you know, I, I think it's, a, it's, a, it's going to be a, a premier propaganda piece as it is for any other authoritarian and totalitarian regime that uh, hosts the Olympic Games. Um, they use these things as propaganda uh, to promote themselves uh, to the world. And like I said, hopefully their hope is to deflect attention away from their bad behavior of which China has engaged in a lot of uh, recently, especially with regards to uh, Canada. Oh, exactly. Now, why is the IOC so eager to award the games to China despite its human rights abuses? That's a great question, Ed. Um, I, I'm not so sure why they they would have done this. Look, there's there's been a, a, a track record of the IOC uh, and problems with corruption uh, going back, you know, several games now. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we we saw in uh, certainly in in Sochi in 2014 uh, when when Russia hosted the games. Uh, there was uh, you know, m massive corruption in the form of contracts that were awarded to uh, people uh, close to Vladimir Putin. You know, the games were most expensive, $50 billion they cost with, you know, there was a, a $4 billion highway pretty much to nowhere that was, uh, that was awarded to one of Vladimir Putin's friends. And so, um, you know, I think a lot of these regimes, um, they, they use these games to, uh, you know, the leaders pad their pockets with it. And, um, you know, it, these these games being awarded to Beijing, it really comes as, as no surprise given the past history uh, of corruption with uh, regards to awarding uh, the games. You know, China has a history of this with the Olympics. I, I think back to when Taiwan backed out in 1976 because for some reason the IOC was going to follow China's directive to make them play under or compete under the banner of China Taipei. So yeah. China, China has a record of this. Yeah, no, no, definitely they they have a record of it uh, going way back, um, and uh, and most recently to the uh, previous the summer games that they hosted. So, um, you know, uh, again, you know, I, I think that when when it comes to these Olympics, I think we need to uh, Canadians need to recognize them for for what they are, and uh, and certainly you know a, a boycott as is being called for, you know, and I've I've sort of. I've supported not not necessarily a boycott, but uh, a call to uh, move the games from Beijing uh, to some other location. It's it's something that Canadians need to take very seriously because if we if we sort of allow these countries to uh, whitewash their their track records, it's um it's certainly it doesn't help human rights 
in China, and it certainly doesn't uh, help them geopolitically when we do these sorts of things. Well, it legitimizes uh, its actions, does it not? Yeah, no, exactly. It legitimizes the, their actions, and it, uh, it gives it basically a, a green light uh, to continue doing it. And let's not forget, I mean, if, the, if, if Canada does participate, and it looks like we will participate in those, uh, those Winter Olympics in Beijing, they're going to be doing so while the Chinese government is engaging in genocide. Um, and this is something, it's a genocide that's been recognized as such by uh, the Biden administration, the Trump administration certainly did so. Even um, uh, and Adam Vanderkoven, the uh, the former Canadian Olympian and Liberal MP, just a couple of days ago uh, said publicly he also acknowledged the fact that it's a genocide. So it's 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 hard to reconcile how we can compete and enjoy the the games and the spectacle that it is, while that same government that's hosting it is throwing millions of. Um, uh, Muslim minority Uyghurs into uh, slave labor camps. Marcus Kolga is joining us in the Unpublished Cafe, senior fellow at the McDonald Laurier Institute and the founder of this InfoWatch as we talk about a possible boycott of the 2022 Winter Games in Beijing. And, you know, we talk about the athletes. The Canadian Olympic Committee says the athletes are, are going, but should that be a decision of the COC or should that be a dis direct decision by the federal government? Well, I would I would think that the COC should have the, you know, obviously the, the authority to, to make that decision. But I should hope that they would consider the human rights implications of of what they're doing. I mean, um, you know, we're getting mixed messages from from the, uh, the committee as well. They're telling uh, you know, in, out of one side of their mouth, they're saying that uh, Canadian athletes going to, to Beijing, they can do so and, you know, express Canadian views while they're there. But at the same time, uh, you know, there was a report this week where the COC warned athletes not to say anything. So in, in effect, they've, they're uh, doing the Chinese government's dirty work in enforcing Chinese government censorship on Canadian athletes. Um, and so, you know, if the COC isn't able to figure this out for themselves, maybe the federal government needs to step in and, and at least express their, their view on, on uh, and their position on this. Um, and like I said, I mean, even if we, you know, if we're not looking at a boycott, I mean, one of the things that we can do is work with our, with our allies and, um, and suggest to the IOC that those games be moved. I mean, Look, this just happened uh, with the International uh, Hockey Federation. The World Championships that are coming up this spring um, were supposed to be held in Belarus. Belarus, which is you know engaging in a massive and mm -hmm. violent crackdown on pro-democracy, uh, the pro-democracy movement there. The uh, IIHF decided to move the the championships from um, from Belarus to to Latvia. Now, you know, I mean, the size of those those championships versus the Olympics is is quite different. Um, but this is something we need to start considering and we need to start uh, really pressing for reforms within the IOC as well so that uh, so that there is the corruption that has really crippled them um, that that there's an end to that and that we don't award games to these sorts of regimes that get, engage in mass human rights abuse. Uh, well, as for, for relocation, and, and our previous guest Kevin Kai had mentioned, we're a year out from those games and and it would be very, very difficult. It, you know, like you mentioned the hockey tournament, that yeah. just, that's two rinks, that's, you know, one country that's close by. But you're talking, I don't know how many sports, how many different venues. And to put that all together in a year, uh, I think it would be a pretty tough 
tough task to call for. Yeah, you're probably right. Just to flip it in a year, but you know we've already postponed the the Summer Olympics for a year. Maybe we postpone the Winter Olympics and move them to a city that has more recently already hosted the games, who has that infrastructure. You know, I'm thinking, mm-hmm. you know, looking at Korea, that there's the infrastructure is already in place there. You don't need to go too far, um, but it's something that should be considered. All right, Marcus, I want to thank you for joining us. Thanks so much for having me on, Ed. Marcus Kolga is a senior fellow at the McDonald-Laurier Institute and the founder of disinfowatch.org. Our unpublished vote question asked, considering China's treatment of Canada, do you support a boycott of the 2022 Beijing Winter Olympics? Yes, no, or unsure? You can log on right now and vote at unpublished.vote and have your voice heard. I want to thank our guests today. Kevin Kai, Associate Professor, East Asian Studies at Renison College at the University of Waterloo. David Mulrooney is a former Canadian ambassador to China. And Marcus Kolga is Senior Fellow at McDonald-Laurier Institute and the founder of disinfowatch.org. And I want to thank you for listening to the Unpublished Cafe. Stay safe. I'm Ed Hand.